everyone and welcome to Jess and the Guest. Today, my guest is Chief Meteorologist for Good Morning America, New York Times bestselling author, Dancing with the Stars contestant, and a million other things, Ginger Z. We talk about her decision to check into a mental institution a week before starting her job at GMA. We talk Dancing with the Stars, how she travels almost every three days, horrible travel stories, the craziest place she's been recognized, which is one of my favorite stories. She's incredible. I've learned so much from her. I really hope you like this episode. No, wait, you were just in Utah, right? It's always when it's funny because my husband, we landed on Saturday yeah. from our vacation with kids, which is kind of like exhausting <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was wonderful, but you know, and yeah. he's like, man, I need some days at home. And I'm like, yeah, I could use that too. We had planned to do Utah late this week. Yeah. But then I got a note Saturday, right when I landed, they were like, hey, we're thinking about having you go out at the beginning of the week for the heat. And I was like, okay uh I just landed um yes. so Sunday I turned around we flew to Utah did the um heat and then we got the Lake Powell story which is the one we wanted to tell in but we drove the state of Utah down and back in like 24 hours and did a huge live thing it was so cool it was crazy one of those oh God. but I told my husband I'm like you know this is the beauty is I think I have endurance for this type of thing now one thing I loved about your book is how open and vulnerable you are did you ever struggle with that? And I know from a comedy perspective, I always sometimes struggle with, do I want people to know this about me? Do I want them to do this? You know, I, I'm glad that comedy is brought into this because I think that's the way a big part of healing. I mean, yeah. if you're not making, if it's not funny later, even when it's really bad, if you can't find some humor in most things, I think then you, you aren't healed. And so vulnerability allows that. And I think, being vulnerable lends itself to self-deprecation and that's what a lot of my book was right and yeah. so there's a reason i'm a total disaster and why the title was the easiest thing in the world to write because it is natural disaster i cover them i am one i was yeah. like that's me and turns out after i wrote that book i'm not alone apparently yeah. there are oh. many of us out yeah. there i mean i'm definitely one everyone i know is one yeah, so the vulnerability piece, though, you know, the other the other part is it's one of the most healing things you can do. So selfishly, it has only it's like a feedback loop. All of a sudden, you know, you be vulnerable, you're a little afraid to do that. And then it works and it connects you to people and then you feel better. And then it comes back and you're like, you know what, I'll be vulnerable again. Oh, my gosh, it worked again. And so I think it's just starting. And then once yeah. you start, you know, you can't yeah. stop. Yeah. What was your writing process like for the book? I think... <laughs> the writing process, you know, I'm not a writer. That's what I would have said my whole life. And I think that's always an important lesson that I've learned from this experience is I, in sixth grade, I switched schools. So my first, you know, I don't know, trimester or whatever of seventh grade, I went and wrote a story for my English class and the English teacher wrote, gave me a B and I was like, a perfectionist I was like yeah that's not gonna work yeah so I went up to her I was like what can I do to make this better and she said well maybe writing isn't your thing and I was like well that's weird because I love writing yeah. I had been writing short stories my whole you know middle school career at that point she didn't know me uh but I took it very hard and I allowed that label even though I gave it to myself she didn't say you're not a writer yeah. I just put it in my head and science and math were my thing and I loved meteorology so I just kind of went like this and yeah. forgot that we can be complex humans who can do a lot of things. Yeah. I held on to that label, which is a whole chapter in my new book of not a writer 
until I was pregnant with my child, who's now five. And when I was pregnant, I was looking for baby books about weather. And I was like, there really aren't a lot of good ones. They're either totally inaccurate or they're silly or like, I know I could do this. I can handle a baby book. And even though I'm not a writer and I went to the uh, publishers and I started pitching this idea. And the one, uh, Wendy, you know, Lefkanch, who's been my angel of publishing, she said, I love the idea. It's not a baby book. It's it's a chapter book. So why don't you write that? And we will, you know, see what it looks like. I was like, oh yeah, I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not a writer. (laughs) And so she's like, why don't I go try? So I went and tried, I wrote a couple of chapters, came back and she was like, it's great. Let's write a trilogy. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Then I'm telling her about my experiences and all of a sudden I'm being vulnerable expressing, oh, and when I was at Katrina, I was also engaged to this guy who I ended up leaving three weeks before our wedding. She's like, what? And that turns into this next story. Suddenly a woman who wrote, went in, is not a writer, came out supposed to write a baby book about weather. And I wrote a memoir about depression and suicide. Like what just happened? And then it went on the New York Times bestseller list. This non-author, this non-writer is an author of five books and now soon to be six. And I think that's a great lesson to take with us that those labels definitely stop us, you know? And I never want someone to have an idle moment where they're like, yeah, honey, you're really good at singing. And then they show up and they're like, not good at all. I'm not saying we should all encourage everyone to do everything. However, if you enjoy something to be able to imagine what I could have done writing for that 25 years I took off. Yep. Yeah. No, I wish I learned that earlier too. I completely agree with you. So my process, that was the longest answer ever to get to. My process is just, um, thankfully I had started journaling my friend, Brad, who's chapter seven, as he refers to himself as in my book. I love him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He, he said, when I got this job, he said, you need to have a journal and just so you don't forget because your yeah. memory is awful. And he knows that about me. And <laughs> right, because I was able to go back there, fill in the context, and then in retrospect, look and, and see what those events meant to me and what they meant to my life. And, and that's how I'd say the process began. Oh, your book is so funny too. Do you have a secret comedy background? It, I, I have, I think my father is pretty funny. Um, So I think I grew up with a lot of sarcasm. So I definitely get any of and self-deprecation from him. I would say it, you know, I studied meteorology. I didn't study any television or communication. So when I got in my first job, I was like, I should probably hone that skill of being on camera because that was not natural to me. I started taking voice lessons, acting lessons. And then when I got to Chicago, I did improv at Second City. Yeah. And so I, I really had, I had a, I had a growing experience with comedy. And then my husband, who is, and he hates when I say this, is essentially a comedian. I know. Yeah. He doesn't do stand up, but that's what he does. And he hates when I say that, but he will tell you that I am the funny one in the relationship. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't think that's true, but I think at home and because I'm, you know, on Gmail, you get 30 seconds, you don't get to know me. You don't get, I don't have an opportunity. Uh, that book allowed that to showcase yeah. the funny. <laughs> he would be a great comedian. Be so good, but he never wants to do it for some reason. He's just like not adamantly against stand up. So oh. I've loved in your book how you talked about awful style and hair because I mean, I've been there. This is me trying way too hard right now. You're doing an outstanding job and you look great for it. But that's the thing with no matter what in decades and, and people, it doesn't matter if you're in television or not, you're going to look back at pictures and be like, oh my, you know, we are a, a time capsule of what was happening at the time. I have this one picture of myself. I wish I could have included photos in the book because 
I was in, I think it was sixth grade at fifth grade or something. And I'm, I'm look like I have like the blossom hat, if you remember that one. And then I have like lace socks, a pillowy, like bluffy, fluffy, fluffy, um, pirate shirt, one of those long, like bolo type necklaces. I was taking every fashion risk (laughs) that there was on the planet and, and putting it out there. So I love looking back, but I think when you're in broadcasting, there's also this weird image that you expect that you're supposed to look like so you're like you're 23 and you're trying to look like a 50 year old anchor and that's what I was doing the whole time (laughs) nope I was like are you lost like what are you doing (laughs) like I don't know it's fine all good you're always so confident being on TV too you know I went to school for storm chasing I didn't go to school for broadcast meteorology at all um and and once I did an internship is when I started to say well maybe communicating science would be a good idea but I still didn't study it so it was really just like trial by fire and me figuring out how to look at a camera and not look like I was totally you know not supposed to be there I think you know James Spann who was my is my mentor and he saw it in me he would say um it helps when other people can see something that you don't yet see you know and I was grateful that I had him and then a couple other people along the way that saw that in me and then once it took off the confidence um you know it's always challenged we're all vulnerable insecure messes but I think that I started to realize no matter what no matter what my abilities on television were my passion for what i know and my science came yeah. through every time and that excitement and life that i i think comes like straight through your eyes that's yeah. what got me through all of the the tougher times yeah and then it started transitioning like if you would have told me when i was 19 hiding from cameras because that's what i was doing on the first storm chases yeah. that i was going to be on dancing with the stars i would have laughed in the face <laughs> How was Dancing with the Stars? Because it's such a tough show, both mentally and physically. Oh, like, oh my gosh. The yeah. physical first, for yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, but the mental, it was in post having a baby. I was just in a really weird place in life. Mm-hmm. And I think, but that's why that show works. They do yeah. something that is so pure of a human experiment it's taking somebody who's pretty expert in what they do breaking them down to the very base of who they are into something they've never done before and then watching them grow back up and and so it's like that formula works every time because you are seeing this person and people handle it differently so it is unique in each story Um, but I loved like Kim Fields is still a good friend today she was on that season with me and we talk about it all the time because it was even five years past you learn about yourself better. It is the most intense, you know, 15 weeks of therapy yeah. <laughs> that you'll yeah. ever go through. And yeah. then on top of it, you're getting in sick shape because you are spinning more than you ever should in life. So yeah. like, I can do anything on camera, really live, like yeah. I bring it on. Totally different when you're moving your body and you aren't able to speak and you can really only use your face. That was a weird, and so that's what Val always had this. He's like, stop doing the puppy dog. And I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do too I'm like, what do you do like my natural reaction even when like a workout's hard is to be like uh, yeah. and that's what it's <laughs> looking like <laughs> I had to learn to control my face yeah how do you do mornings because right now I'm dying like truly dying inside how how do you do it <laughs> I mean I feel I feel sick almost always <laughs> I think it's not healthy there's never people are always like oh you must get used to it and I'm like yeah. you know I'm on year 20 and I can't tell you that I have I could not say that it is normal and this is the real telling factor when I had my second baby 
I had been, I had my maternity leave and I had taken, you know, I think it was eight or nine weeks in. Um, and most new parents are like, oh, exhausted. Oh. And I go to this book thing for Dr. Bo, one of my colleagues, and I see my boss and she comes up to me and she's like, wow you look so great. You look so rested. I'm like, says nobody to someone unless what they normally do is so much harder than having a baby. So it really is challenging. Even like I said, I slept four hours in for the first 72 hours of this week. And, and it just, you get endurance. I don't ever feels good. I would say that. So like you get used to it and then you, and and there is some element of catching up, but I try, especially the pandemic really showed me what health could look like. Yeah. It's really nice. <laughs> it's a big change. I mean, was it a huge change going from traveling nonstop to the pandemic hitting and then you're home? I was traveling every three days. I was, you know, between speeches, EMA, um, my other show on Saturdays that I do. I am always on a plane, always. Yeah. And so to have me grounded, it was for three months, really the first three months. And then wildfire started and things that required me traveling started back up again. But three months I realized is the longest I've ever been one place in 12 or 13 years. My God. Because that's how this job has gone for me, which has been, has brought me the most unbelievable experiences of life. And I could never complain, but it was definitely a kind of like constant spiral that there are times on the bottom of the spiral where you're like, whoa, 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 I don't think I can make it. And then it both boosts you up. And so it was good for me to have a bit of a flat line for a little bit. (laughs) From traveling so much, you must have the craziest stories. I would have slept more than four hours if it weren't for some crazy people on my flight back (laughs) to Salt Lake, I'll tell you that. But I think most, most special as far as plane debacle as I was traveling with my weather team I try to take my weather team on some sort of outing once a year so that we have like a team bonding thing okay. we're actually going in a couple of weeks but we were going to Steamboat Springs Colorado and I had booked all the tickets and it's in the middle of spring so there's you know the chance always of spring snow we had to go through Atlanta to get to Denver just because of how the timing worked out with what all of us could do not how I would usually do it but because of whatever so we're there's a snowstorm of course there is when we're leaving the whole weather team (laughs) and we were at Newark I think and we were you know we we got out but we got out late and it it was going to be so tight and then we just we landed we knew we weren't going to make our connection to Denver trying to rebook five people is where this I mean it's hilarious now it was so painful Myself and Max, who's the worst traveler ever, a meteorologist I work with, he's like my brother at work. Uh, him and I stayed in Atlanta. Samantha flew through Las Vegas to Denver. Mel, who's the worst flyer, she never flies and she was so anxious. We tried to get her on a direct to Denver. Yeah. She, got, she was the only ticket we could get for that. They had a, somebody had a heart attack on her plane. They had to land in Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh my God. You were all spread across the country trying to get to Steamboat Springs. Oh it was, it, it's, it's hilarious now when we tell the story. And then Max is like, Max is the type, like he needs three square meals, hot, sit down. You can't just have some nuts and get on with yourself. So we, he wouldn't even let me leave the airport without having a burger. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to eat here. Why are we eating at the airport when we're going to be here all night? You know, so there's just so many fun. <laughs> I call them fun now. It was not fun in the moment. That's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, that's also sounds like my nightmare too. At the yeah. time. Like I would- <laughs>
mean, I can't even count how many incredible experiences and travel you've done with GMA, but do you have a favorite travel that you've done with them? I, I always think Nepal was one of my favorites. I did this uh, para hawking. So it's paragliding, but you let a vulture eat out of your hand as you're flying with the bird um in the in the himalayan mountains like it it just it's it's otherworldly you're watching around yourself and just it's so surreal and often how my trips go is i kind of drop in and then leave and i'm there for you know i go around the world and i'm there for two days tops and so it's a strange you know we did around the world we did every disney park in seven days uh, we did, yeah, we did um, Iceland. I was on the glacier when drones were brand new. We flew a brand new like drone. Nobody had ever seen video like this into a fissure of a volcano um, on a glacier in Iceland. That was a good one. Vietnam, I was in the largest cave in the world. We were broadcasting live from there. Oh, did I remember watching that. Yeah, yeah and um, that one sticks out, Palau. I mean, even recently we did Victoria Falls in Africa and did a climate change story there and like, I. Iguazu Falls, I could keep going. And that's the beauty is that I have these opportunities to be in these places and experience them. And I don't know where you go from here, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's, but at the same time, exploring the world and bringing people the environmental crises or whatever it is, that's all I want is is to keep doing that. You talk so much about mental health in the book, which I loved. And I, I think we're making some progress, but I wish more people talked about it. Why was it so important for you to talk about? I mean, it's, it's my life, you know, it's, it's like having any sort of medical, um, something that you have and other people have too, and that it only helps to have community around that. So the impetus of doing the book that way and starting with, Hey, I checked myself into a hospital was just like you said, we're making progress. People are able to say now pretty regularly, I have depression or I suffer with anxiety, you know, that, that, comes out of people's mouths much easier than it did even five years ago. Yeah. I think where the stigma lies is, okay, once you say that, when, if you say to someone, oh, I go to therapy, they might be like, hmm, you know, that's getting better too. If you say, (laughs) I'll take it back. If you say um, for a drug and alcohol rehabilitation, oh, so-and-so had to go for drug rehab. We all say, oh, good for them. Yeah. When I say I went to the psych ward at Columbia, people are like, whoa, yeah, yeah. <laughs> eyebrows raise. Everybody's like, oh, it's like uncomfortable. I yeah. wanted to stop that. I wanted yeah. them to say, well, good for her. You know, yeah, because exactly. that, yeah, it's like saying I broke my leg. So I went to the hospital. Yeah. Good for her. Well, yeah. Not even good for her. Like, obviously you would. That's yeah. what we need to get it to. So it's not just good for her. It should just be just like drugs and alcohol should take it one step further and say, yeah, Obviously they did, because that's how you get better is get real help. And so that was what I really wanted and why my book starts with that line. Like, Hey, I checked myself into a mental hospital, stayed a week, you know, because once I did that, it was the first time in my mental health journey, which had not been pretty that I was being transparent and the vulnerability was me saying people aren't going to like me, or they're going to judge me, or they're going to see something about this. And it was the first time in my life where I was like, I guess I don't care. Yeah, I really don't. Because I know that the people who do get this and who need this are going to see it. And I'm ready to take on whatever else. And, and of course, that's been minimal compared to the, uh, the gravity of this book. I didn't realize. And I'll get emails still. I'll get them right now. I'll get them today. Somebody mm-hmm. will say, you saved my life. 
Mm. like that deep, you know, and, and I couldn't believe that that's what the book did and, and it keeps doing. And I'm so really, really, really grateful for that. There were so many great mental health tips too. I, I couldn't get over the fence that you talked about in it. I love that. I want to start doing that with people. Well, and that was, you know, that's five years ago that when I was writing that in six years, I think even since then I have exposed more that I needed to work on this next book that I wrote really gets back to like, it's not like I wrote a book on mental health and here I am the expert. Like it is just like physical health. You can't just go to a personal trainer for a year, get in sick shape and then walk around with your abs. It doesn't work like that. Like, cause you, you can't just stop going to the gym and stop working on it. Yeah. In fact, I think you have to work harder and, and, and some of it's maintenance. And then other times you run into new things, but you learn those tools and why I, this next book, I included more tools because that's what people said. They always yeah. say the fence they, they were like, that was such an analogy. I know, yeah. And the, what I realized after writing that book, the non-writer, I realized what I do for a living is communicate science. Yeah. I communicate atmospheric science, but I think what I got good at without knowing was communicating any science. So yeah. taking the therapy that I've I have the privilege of having the financial ability, the family support to go and get this help. Now I can share little pieces of that through a book. Mm -hmm. And if, if I can do it by some self-deprecating humor, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm very excited for your next book. So. Uh, I, I think it might really blow your mind because I didn't even realize all these things that I needed to work on. And yeah it's still funny. There's still great humor in it, but it's a lot darker. And I think I was more emboldened now to say, yeah, yeah. let me in you, let, let me let you in a little bit more. Yeah, no, I love, I love that you spoke about dating too, because my last date was with a wannabe magician, like not even a real magician, a wannabe magician in LA. So I related to it too much. I need help. This is my low point. So. Is that not an entire stand-up routine right there? I dated a wannabe magician. I, know, I will make it that. It's like, is this too yes. sad? There's so many ways you can go with that. Yeah. So I related a lot to it. Do, do you, I felt like you have really good advice too. Do you have any good dating advice? Any like very quick ones? Yeah. I, I wish if I could go back. Yeah. I mean, maybe not because then I probably wouldn't have met my husband. So let's not yeah. say that, but you know. Yeah. I wish if I could have gone back into the dating part, I wish I could have told myself that every day is fresh, you know? Yeah. And so in those moments when I really thought it's never going to happen, you know, yeah. I was 31, 32, and I'm getting off on another plane and I'm watching a family come on and I start bawling. I'm like, it's never going to happen. I can't have it all, whatever. Mm -hmm. I even saw a Facebook message recently uh, that I had written and you can tell in your Facebook memories how salty you were, you know, like, oh, yeah. and, and this was a year where obviously all my friends were having babies and everybody was married. And I'm like, Ugh. Yep. and so in the message, I'm like, I'll probably, here I am doing laundry again, blah, 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 by myself. Yep. Like, and and yep. I looked at the date and eight days later, I met my husband. Oh, so I like telling people that like, when you're in those points, just like I always say about mental health, it's like, you have to go through that to yeah. get to the sunshine you know you have to go through it because just like you can get hit by a bus tomorrow you could also meet the man in your dreams tomorrow like I, that sounds a little more like no fresh, but but it's true and knowing that it's not about having this endless hope or romanticism it's like no no no, no. every pot has its top everybody's gonna have that somewhere and some of them turn out and some of them are there for a reason some for a season and for a lifetime and yeah. you know you can only hope
<laughs> I always love when your kids are on camera too. They're so cute. Do any of them want to go into TV too? Adrian will do anything you say. He's like <laughs> the perfect stage kid. So, and yes, he already shows interest in like he watched his, his teacher started singing Sound of Music and he loves to sing and he yesterday he was standing on a stoop that we have in our in our front yard that's like to the front door yeah. and he was like he was treating it like a stage and he was doing this like big thing no, no one's ever taught him that no one's ever showed him he just kind of naturally does it and if I put a camera on him he wouldn't he'd do it bigger you know yeah. like he's his dad and oh. and then I'd say that Miles yeah I think he would he loves entertaining people in a social way he yeah. does not like the camera and he you know what he doesn't like about the camera it's because he knows that you want him to do it yeah. and he is such a whatever he he just likes to be the 180 of the yeah. world <laughs> so i want to i wish i lived more like my younger son i, I want to him when i grow up he is such a i don't care kid like yeah. i don't care what you think and it's not going to affect how i feel about myself or what i want and here are my he's had fences from the time he came out <laughs> How do I do that? Yeah, I was like, I know, I know. I'm learning a lot from him. It's oh. not so I will like say that that's my husband. I mean, my yeah. husband is 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 the no guy and I'm the yes person all the time. And there's such a good balance. You know, there has to be somewhere between those two. So I hope we can teach the kids that. Oh, I'm sure. Okay. So now we have some very serious rapid fire questions. What is your favorite food? Favorite food? Oh, this is gonna sound terrible, but I just grew a bunch of kale and <laughs> I don't know. I do no. love kale. I love it. I no. love it because you can turn it into everything, like the yeah. chips and the thing. And okay, that sounds yeah. awesome. No, no. So, uh, when you're not, how do you like to spend your free time? I love to run and not run for exercise, run for mental health, like to just be away. And I love to run in new places. Uh, running to explore is one of my favorite pastimes. Oh, that's awesome. What's your guilty pleasure TV show? Oh my gosh. I followed the teen mom girls, the OGs yeah. from day one. And yeah. it is still one of the best casted shows in America. Yeah. It is so well put together. MTV, they should be given every award in the world for casting because every show they do is just like, it's so good. Yeah. And so I'd say that I haven't caught up on the last two seasons, but I'd say them and then Oh, there's so many I loved for a long time. It's just after you have yeah. kids, it starts to not you're a busy, you, you know. <laughs> well, no, it's because you're watching TV, but you're watching like what they want to watch, which is fine. Yeah. But a lot of times it's, you know, it's just not, it's yeah. not, it's not your trashy TV. That's I not know. what we're watching. And I love my trashy TV. I miss it. Yeah. Do you have any big pet peeves or anything like that? Two things, uh, dirty ears and yeah. like, long nails on a guy yes yeah oh i completely agree i know yeah yeah ew yeah. no like um, and and i don't like the guitar thing i kind of get and i can understand that's what you're doing you have picks on your nails i just i can't do it i don't know what it is no i completely agree. i like it's like something i look at and then i'm like what am i doing <laughs> yeah i'm very hand oriented i always check yeah. people's hands and feet both yeah. you know and then ears for some my husband always says stop looking at my ears <laughs> What's the craziest place you've ever been recognized? It's always when I look nothing like I look on camera. It's yeah. always those ones that's that I, oh, this is a good one. It was in the middle of the pandemic. My brother had actually visited because we had both already had COVID. So we were like, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so he came and um, we were walking the trail and I looked truly nothing like it. I'm with my six foot five brother. Yeah. And this woman just, she shrieked and she was like, <gasps> 
And like, you know, you're just passing someone. It's really, we were jogging like, and, and she shrieked so much. We thought something was wrong. We turned around. She's like, it's you. It's you. And it was her reaction that probably was more recent, but I've had, I've had some good ones. They're so, it's so fun. I, I love when people watch and yeah. I love when we have something to talk about because then it lets me learn who they are and I get to yeah. connect to them. Oh my God, that would startle me so much. I know, I was like, what happened? I know, oh. dear God, oh, I, yeah. No. Um, if you were to say oh, answer, but. Before I get to that one, yeah. I just remembered one of the other really, oh. really, it's, it's not, it's a reverse because the person knew who I was, but okay. So I was in Detroit at the auto show and I was just like meeting people. So they set up like this thing where people could come take photos and I could yeah. sign things or whatever. Number one, I had a, a streaker in one of my videos that has made it on like every clip oh. show. Um, you know, I never knew who it was because this was back before social media. It was before they yeah. could ever know that they were live on TV naked with a sombrero and tennis shoes and nothing else. And I was doing like a serious story and they came running by me and FCC was, it was bad yeah. and funny. Um, yeah. yeah, but so I'm in line at this thing and the guy comes up, he's like, hi, I'm your streaker. And I'm like, what, wait, what? <laughs> you're my streaker he brought his baby his wife and he was like all grown up and he, <laughs> he had been a college student at the time we had the best laugh about it the next person in line was like hi I was your gynecologist <laughs> oh my god when you worked in Flint I'm like that it is great to see you oh uh, my god <laughs> yeah. oh my god you waited in line yeah yeah, oh, that's the best story I've heard. Yeah. Well, no, this this doesn't compare now, but I was just going to say, if you had any other career, what would you be? Oh, yeah. I loved bartending. That sounds so like, but I love entertaining that way. And I used to work at a country club where we threw weddings. And so maybe it's like the the Jennifer Lopez wedding planner slash I get to bartend yeah. still. Yeah. I feel like you connect pe with people so well. Like that's I mean, to me, one it's of your- where I learned how to do that. Yeah. You know, I think I was a very shy kid, but when you're a bartender and you're at a wedding and everybody's drunk and then you're like, you're, it's kind of a nice place to practice doing whatever you want, yeah. being whoever you want. And most of the time people are in a very good mood. So it's kind of an easy place to try different things and, 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 and see what works on getting tips or do, you know, like what connects to people. And, and I loved bartending for that, but I also just love making people happy. Like they just were having, they were having a blast dancing away I got to watch all of that the yeah. energy of a wedding every Friday and Saturday night was a very special way to grow up working you know yeah. oh well thank you so much you're incredible I'm so inspired by you I don't know how you do everything but I'm impressed. well I hope to see you in your stand-up someday 